Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams continues with part two of the six-part series, 180, Turn Your Life Around. Anytime we start something new in our lives, there can be uncertainty. But by relying on the promises of God, we have the ability to overcome any uncertainty. As you look back in time, it is the people that walked faithfully in uncertainty that left the biggest impact on this world. All right. Well, it's the never-ending saga of our, our guy who has made a decision to try to get in shape, and it's been an adventure. I'm sure it will continue to be an adventure, but it's been fun watching him. It's fun to laugh at other people, isn't it? It's fun to laugh at other people. So, but uh, again, we're glad you're here. We're going to continue this series this week on um, 180 Spiritual Fitness, Turn Your Life Around, inspired by our friends at the gym right down the road um, at 180 Fitness. I always looked at that name. I thought that'd be a great name for a, a church or or uh, at least a sermon series, so we decided we'd do that. And we're looking at a guy by the name of Nehemiah, um, and, and we're looking at how his life was transformed and how our lives can be transformed. You can go ahead and turn to the book of Nehemiah if you would like to, and uh, we're going to be in chapter um, 2 today. But a little, little background, um, what we're looking at is when you go to the gym, I don't know if you've, ever, if you've been to the gym and, and you've had some uncertainties, it's always a little embarrassing when you get up on a machine or something and you can't really figure out how to do it and you're trying to act like you know how to do it but it won't go and then it's a little embarrassing and so it's a little bit of uncertainty in, in the guy's life and trying to figure out these machines and I don't know about you but life can be like that a lot of times, can it not? Where you have to deal with all types of uncertainty and one thing we're going to see is if we are going to get to where God wants us to be, to where our lives are transformed, we become what God desires for us, then we're going to have to walk through a certain amount of uncertainty and continue in faith through that uncertainty. So today we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8 to begin. Now, Nehemiah was a Jewish guy. He um, was taken captive, and he is actually a slave. Now, his job was to be a cupbearer. Now, if you know what a cupbearer, he was the wine tester. That was his job, right? He, he was the wine. That's all he did was when the, the, the king was going to get his wine, he would sip it, he would drink some of it to make sure that the king could have it, make sure it wasn't poisoned so that it wouldn't kill the king. So basically, his life didn't mean a whole lot. I mean, if, if, if your job is to taste it, to see if you die so that somebody else can have it, and really, who couldn't do that, right? I mean, any one of us, we could all taste do that. And so there wasn't a whole lot of, of value placed on his life. Not something that you look at him and go, wow, that guy's important. Other than, you know, if he dies, we can get somebody else. I mean, so, you know, not really that big of a deal. But the cool thing about Nehemiah is that he gets a burden on his heart, which we looked at last week. And his life is transformed. Not only is his life transformed, but he begins to transform the life of other people, which is God's goal for us, our lives to be transformed so that we become a transforming power in the lives of other people. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We want to look at another step that, that took place in Nehemiah's life in order for him to get to where he was. So I want to read to you real quick, Nehemiah 2, 1 through 8. It says in verse 1 of chapter 2, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now listen to this. I had never been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? 
this can, can be nothing but sadness of heart. At first, I thought, that is absolutely amazing that this guy's face was never sad before the king. I mean, all these days, he's going before the king. His face is never sad. I mean, how many of you could say that, that somebody has seen you and that your face was never... And then I remembered he was drinking wine all day. And I was like, no wonder he wasn't sad. He was toasted. And so, but he comes before the king this day, and, and he's sad. He's got a sad look on his face. And it says, and listen, he says, I was very much afraid... But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins? He's going back. He's, he's got a burden for the city of Jerusalem and the area of Judah to go back and, and build, rebuild the walls of that city and restore that city. And its gates have been destroyed by fire. The king said to me, what is, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I asked the, answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight... Let him send me to the city of Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, How long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Verse 7, I also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governor of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so that he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my request. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this day, God. God, I realize you are here right now. God, I realize that we stand, we sit right here in holy ground, on holy ground, God, in the presence of a very real and powerful and awesome God. Father, I pray that you just have your way here right now, God, right now that we would not take this for granted, but we would open our hearts to receive all that you have for us today. I pray that you would plant your word deep in our hearts, God, and they would find good soil, that we would allow our hearts to receive your word. And God, they would produce incredible fruit in our lives. God, change our lives today. Give us courage and strength and boldness to stand on your promises and to go forward to do your will. In Jesus' awesome, mighty name, amen. I mean, I read a story this week of um, a group of hikers. They were, they were mountain climbers, and they were climbing a mountain in Europe. I'm not sure which one it was, but what, what this, how the story went was that they were climbing, and what they began to realize is that on, on clear, sunny days, they could see the peak of the mountain, um, but on these clear, sunny days, they, they began to notice that they, they got further when they climbed. They began to notice that they got along better when they climbed. They began to notice that that things just seemed to go better throughout the day um, at, at, on these clear, sunny days when, when there were no clouds. But they noticed on cloudy days, on days when, when they couldn't see the peak of the mountain, what began to happen is they realized they began to grumble. They began to fight against one another. They began to get hot-tempered with one another. And they didn't get as far as they normally would. And I read that, I thought about how, how true it is in our lives that when we lose sight of the goal, when we lose sight of the peak of the mountain, that pinnacle that God's called us to, how we tend to lose focus, right? If we can't see it, we tend to lose focus. We tend to not move as diligently towards the goal that God's called us to when we can't see it. I mean, as long as we can see it, we're good, right? Because we know it's there. But as soon as it disappears, our tendency is not to speed up and continue to press forward. Our tendency is to slow down and go, whoa, wait a minute, I don't know what's going on. Any of you ever done that? We've all been in situations like that, right? Whether it was in work and job with kids, whatever it is, if the goal is not clearly visible, then it begins to affect us. It begins to alter our diligence and our, our, 
our certainty as, as we begin to step and we tend to begin to be um, unnerved and, and, and nervous and, and we don't move as quickly as we might if we could see the goal. And so that's what we want to look at today. I want, I want you to, to get this in your head. If we're going to become all that God wants us to be, we have got to be able to move in certainty in uncertain times. I'm going to ask you to take, take notes today. These are going to be important at the end. If you've got a, a card or a notepad, um, you can write some of these things down. They're going to be important for you. I hope you'll take them with you. I hope this will be something that you can use um, after we walk out of these doors. But we tend, when the goal becomes cloudy, when, when, when we can't see it clearly, when we wonder if it's actually going to happen, if our kids are actually going to grow up and live for God, if my job's actually going to pan out, if we're actually going to be able to pay the mortgage, all of these things, they affect us as we move forward. If we worry about, am I actually going to you know, live another year? Am, am I actually going to get good reports from the doctor? When we begin to worry about these things, we begin to become uncertain. It affects how we live for God. It affects our diligence because we're consumed with other things. And so we want to begin to look at this. Last week, we talked about having a burden. We talked about that, the fact that our transformation begins and ends with a burden. The first burden is that we're drawn to God. There's something going on in our life. Maybe we just realize we've lived our life for ourselves. Maybe something's happened in our life. We draw close to God. And we said that typically what happens is we begin to pull away from God. At some point, when things get better, we think we got it under control. We begin to pull away from God. We talked about how we have to keep pressing through. And we talked about when we pull close to God, the fact that, that we begin to see God for who he is, but we also begin to see us for who we are. And there comes a point when we have to make a decision, am I going to allow God to change me or am I going to just turn around and go my own way? And we talked about how important it is that we continue to press in so that God can change our hearts. And then we began to look at the fact that once our hearts are changed, we begin to see things the way God sees them. So we begin to have a burden for other people. So it goes for a burden for God, a burden to change, and then we have a burden for other people. And that's a big step in our life transformation. But here's the thing I want you to know. When you begin to press into God, when you begin to be transformed, anytime you're moving towards a burden that God's given you to do for his kingdom, anytime you have a desire to do something for God, you are going to come without fail into moments of uncertainty. It's just a part of life. You're going to have times of uncertainty. It's just, it's, it's the way it is, okay? There's going to be times when you can't see clearly the, the, the end of, of the place you're heading to. It just happens. Whether it's a job, children, whatever it is, we all have times of uncertainty when we have to continue to press forward. I mean, think about it. How many of us, when we began to draw close to God, really knew for sure it was going to pan out, right? Some of us are still wondering, is this really worth it? Is this really going to, going to work for me? Is this, is this God thing real? I mean, some of us, honestly, we're having those thoughts. We're wondering, is this really real? Is, is God real or is this something I made up in my mind, right? How many of us, when we began to change and we began to move closer to God, we had a burden to change. We wondered, is it, is it really worth it? Is it going to be something that I can do? I mean, can I maintain? Those are real thoughts, right? We all have those thoughts at some point in time. Can I really change my life? Can God really do something in me to affect my heart? And certainly when we begin to move towards a God-sized goal, something bigger than we could possibly do on our own, there are moments of uncertainty. You'll never accomplish a God task on your own strength without wondering, if God doesn't show up, if this is not God, then I'm in trouble, right? Because if it's big, if it's so small that you can handle it on your own, it's not God's. God calls us to do things that are bigger than us, and we all have those times 
of uncertainty. See, I told you last week that, that there's a place where, where we wonder how far will God come, and, and it's as if we were over here, and God has come all the way to us, right? Because we always wonder, how far do I have to go to get to God? God came all the way. He came from all the way over there to all the way over here by the cross. He made it where he could come to us. He died on a cross for us so that, so that we could meet the living, eternal God so that he could get us and take us back to where he came from to begin to change us into his image. But somewhere along the way, we have those uncertainties. Those uncertainties come. I remember when we started the church, you talking about uncertainties. My goodness. We, there was so much uncertainty. And, and, you know, we made it through. It was one of the most stressful times in my life. I'd give it to God and I'd take it back. I'd give it to God. I'd take it back. Give it to God. Take it back. And, and I just had to constantly lay it down before God just to get through it because, I mean, it was so stressful. If I've tried to put it on my shoulder, still is today. I'm great as long as I don't try to carry it on me. I have to leave it at his feet. But I remember the, the first Sunday, February 1st, 2009, was our first Sunday morning service. And I remember sitting in that office back there, and none of this was here, really. It was just half of this room, and, and we knocked down the walls last August. But I remember sitting in that office, and if I could have, I would have just left. I was so nervous and so, I mean, honestly, I was scared. I was thinking, oh, my goodness. I was like, I wanted to call Susan in there and go, why did you ever agree to this? Why, why, did, why did you agree to this? You're supposed to be the one that goes, no, we're not doing that. And I was sitting in there, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And, and, and it was like 1025. The service started at 1030. I'm going, is anybody even showing up? How bad is it going to look if it's me and Bethany and Ryan who was playing the guitar? We had two people on stage and me. I was like, well, I guess we'll just go with three, right? And, and I knew our parents would be there because they had to be. But, but it was one of those things where we were so I was just freaking out, and, and, and I just prayed and prayed, and I had to lay it at his feet again, and God brought us through that. I look back over that whole process, and I see the hand of grace all over that. I mean, how many of you, I guarantee you, everybody in here, because you're still sitting here today, unless you are a baby, a toddler, something like that, you have been through something that you thought was going to kill you, that you thought, I'm not going to make it through this, this time. This is it. I'm done. I'm finished. There's been doubts in your mind. But see, here's the faithfulness of God. You're still sitting here today, right? You might have thought you weren't going to pay the mortgage. You might have thought, and maybe you didn't. You might have thought you were going to lose your job. You might have thought this. You might have thought, but you're still here today. It is evidence that God's grace, his hand of grace is on your life, and he is, is real. He's here. He's brought you this far. One of the things we don't realize is we don't even get another breath unless God gives it to us. But you're here and he loves you and he has a plan. And so we're sitting here today and we've come through uncertainties and we can continue to move through uncertainties. Nehemiah had all kinds of uncertainties. Listen, we love to talk about Nehemiah built the walls and what a great leader and what da 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 da. But one of the things he had to do is go through uncertainty. I mean, it was, it was full of uncertainty. So many, so that I wanted to write some down for you. Just to tell you, because these are the things that he went through. Listen to this, Nehemiah's uncertainties. He had to go before a king with his request. Listen, he was a slave. All he did was sip the wine to make sure it wouldn't kill the king. For him to go and make a request before the king, the king could have just killed him, right? Even though the king asked him, he, could, he got mad just... I mean, because his life meant nothing. But he goes before the king and he makes a request. Another, another uncertainty that he had, making his request known to the king. He could have very easily gone before the king with the, all the motive in the world that I'm going to ask the king this, by golly. And, and, and you know, you ever been like that? Like you get mad at somebody, you're like, I'm just going to tell them what I think. And you get there and you're like, they're like, what's wrong? You're like, nothing. 
You know what I'm saying? And, and so you, you, we, we do that. But he goes and he actually makes his request known. Another one, stepping into the unknown. Listen to this verse, 2.5. It says, then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servants found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. Listen, can you imagine Nehemiah standing there, the uncertainty that he must have felt as he's standing there and he hears these words, what's your request? Uh, And it says he kind of takes a deep breath. He prays to the God of heaven. And he makes his request known. Listen, he moved through that uncertainty and he made his request known. He went on ahead and he asked for more. He didn't push back. He goes on and he asked the king for letters. He says, listen, king, give me letters to the people, the authorities in the area so that I can have safe travel. Give me letters to the keeper of the forest so that I can get to where um, I can build the, actually build the beams and the gates and, and me a house to live in. And so he's asking for all these things. Listen, here's the cool thing about Nehemiah. He had never even seen the city as far as the destruction. He didn't know what he was getting into. All he knew is I have a burden to do something for the people of God and I'm going to do it. And so he goes and he steps through uncertainty to begin to move towards God. Listen, he didn't know if anyone would help him. Listen to this, 2.11 says, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do there for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. In verse 16, the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because as of yet, I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Listen, he didn't even know if he, they were going to be with him. And he just, he's going, but he knows I've got a burden. I've got to go do something. So he's moving through this uncertainty. What if he had got there and he's like, all right, guys, gather around. I've got a plan. And he's like, this is it. And he cast the vision. And they're like, oh, I don't think so. We like it like it is, right? He didn't know. He just had to move in uncertainty. He began to move. He faced opposition. There were these guys, Sanballat and Tobiah, these guys coming and trying to uh, just intimidate him and do all these things. And he dealt with squabbling people, Right? He dealt with squabbling people. Sounds kind of like a church. He dealt with squabbling. Not this church, though, right? Because here, we just tie like bricks to your feet and throw you in the Geechee River if you complain. And, 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 and you know, we take that whole, um, you know, better to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the sea, Scripture, literally. And, and, but it does. It's not, anytime you get people together, you start having squabbling, squabbling. People start bickering. He had to deal with that among the people. So he had to move through a great deal of uncertainty. How many of you right now, right here today, would say you've got some uncertainty in your life? Show of hands. Uncertainty. And those of you who didn't raise your hand, you have it, you just don't know it. <laughs> You're just uncertain if you have it or not. So this is the thing. I, I wanted to kind of make this real for us and, and kind of put it in perspective. So I wrote down a few things that we're uncertain about at times. One is the future. Anybody uncertain about the future? Come on. How about uh, jobs? Anybody wondering about a job? Yeah, all of you that just graduated. When I graduated in like 98 from Georgia Southern, they were knocking down our doors to come and hire us. Even the dumb ones. They were coming to get them all. And, and, and now people can't find jobs. People are uncertain about jobs. People are uncertain about their health. They don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. People are uncertain about their children. Are our children going to grow up and serve God? The economy. Oh, my goodness. The economy. Everybody's worried about something, uncertain about something. How about your self-worth? You're uncertain about who you are. What others think of you? We're uncertain about that. How about forgiveness? You're wondering, is there any possible way that I could could really be forgiven? Is there really a way that, that my past won't haunt me forever? Eternity. Anybody wonder, am I really saved? 
Am I really going to heaven? I hear people all the time, how do I know that I'm saved? Am, am I really going to heaven? Um, can I keep going? Can I finish well? Am I going to make it? I can't be good enough. I'm not worth his time. I'm not worth God's time. I'm not worth your time. How can I keep going? Will following Jesus be worth it? Has God forgotten me? Am I going under? Will God really do what he promised? Am I too far gone? There's no way God could possibly love me. And then the final one, you fill in the blank. I can't overcome blank. I can't overcome. Because there's something in our life that most of us are uncertain about is can I really do this? Can I really make it? Can I really, can I really, can I? So this is what we're going to do. You got a little card in your seat. I hope you didn't tear it up, throw it away, blow your nose on it, something like that. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to give you just a minute, one minute. And I want you to pray. And I want you to just think about the one thing that you're the most uncertain about this morning. And what I want you to do is on the top of that card, I want you to write that down. So one minute, we're going to be quiet. We're just going to listen. I want you to search your heart. What is it that you are uncertain about this morning? Maybe you've got two or three. Write them down. Because we want to deal with this today. Let's take a minute and pray. Silence is really awkward, isn't it? Especially when it's like a long, silent period. You want to talk so bad, it's, uh, it's kind of funny. But I hope you wrote that down. We're going to use that later. Because um, this is what I want to tell you next. Here's the problem, or the thing we need to think about. When we look at life, the one thing I've observed in my long 34 years of living, in my extensive life and experience, is that, that people who move diligently, who continue on task in the midst of uncertainty, make the biggest impact on the world. They make the biggest impact in their sphere. They, they go the farthest towards where God wants them to be. See, if, if every time something becomes uncertain, you stop, then you'll never get to the goal, right? If every time something becomes uncertain, you swerve to the left or to the right, you'll miss the mark every time. But the people that I see who, who make an impact, who, who get to where God is calling them, those are the people who move with certainty in the midst of uncertain times. And so here's the thing. How do we do that? How do we actually move with certainty in uncertain times? How do we move towards transformation so that we can end up transforming others even when we don't see clearly the peak, even when the goal is not clear? How do we do that? And this is what I want to tell you today. I believe we do that by looking in uncertain times, looking at what's certain. Wow. In uncertain times, you look at what's certain. 
Because there are some things that don't change based on circumstances. There are some things that don't change based on what's going on in your life. And that's what we want to look at today. There are some things that never change. Listen to what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah 2.20. He's taking some heat from the people around in the area who's, who's trying to stop him from rebuilding the walls. And he says, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or in any claim or historic right to it. He said, the God of heaven give us success. In the midst of uncertainty, Nehemiah went to what was certain. He went to God. He realized that if I'm going to do this, it's going to be through God. And so in the midst of any uncertain circumstance, we began to look to God. And specifically, we began to look to the promises of God. This book that most of us seldom ever pick up and read is full of promises for your life. It's full of things for you to stand on in the midst of uncertainty. And so we can come to the word of God. We can come to God in the midst of uncertainty and realize that if I will cling to him, if I will look to the things that are certain, then I can be certain in uncertain times. I can continue to move even when the goal is not clear. I can continue to be effective even when the goal is not clear. I can stay on track even when the goal is not clear. Now listen to this. There are two prerequisites. I mean, everybody know what a prerequisite is? If you've ever registered for college classes once you're like in your major, you know what a prerequisite is because you may have gotten really mad at your advisor when they wouldn't give you a class because you didn't have the right prerequisites. And so we always try to avoid that. But there are some prerequisites to entering into the presence, the, the promises of God. Some prerequisites. Like we had prerequisites. I was a construction management major. Um, I don't know why. I was. I was a construction management major. I, I was there for about eight years. For some reason, one of the prerequisites we had was taking three physics classes. Why? I mean, trust me, you did not want the people that I was in class with trying to figure out physics and whether or not a building was going to stand up. You just wanted them to be able to take the plans and build what was there. If we wanted to do physics, we would have been engineers, right? But we didn't. But they made us take these physics classes. So there were things we had to do in order to enter into our major. There were things we had to have in place. I mean, we were just glad to be able to tie our shoes. We weren't looking at being able to build skyscrapers or, or design skyscrapers, right? And so we come to this place where we realize there are prerequisites for us. The first one is this, and, and, and you've got to get these two things before you can enter into the promises of God. The first one is this, that the Word of God is an authority in your life, the authority in your life. The Word of God is the authority in your life, recognizing that this is divinely inspired, that it is the God-breathed Word. Listen, as long as there's no, uns there's no certainty about the Word of God being true and real in your life, it's going to be very difficult to stand on it and put faith in it, is it not? You can't believe in something you don't believe in. So we've got to get to a place where we actually believe that the Word of God is true, that the promises of God are true. Now here's two ways you can do that. One, God gives you a Holy Spirit revelation. The Spirit of God, just, you just somewhere deep down inside, you just know this Word's true. This is the Word of God, and it is true. It is inspired by God, and if I believe it, I know God's going to be faithful to His Word. That's one way. That has to happen. The second thing that happens is you actually try it. Right? You actually do it. But the problem with most Christians, I would say 98.8%, it's a scientific study, most don't try it. We read it, we amen it, we go, hmm, that, that was nice. And then we go and we never apply it. We never apply it. 
So the key to it is, one, that we realize that it is true, that it is the Word of God, and two, we actually do what it says. We actually do what it says, so the Word of God has to become a, 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 an authority, and the authority of God in our life. The second one is this, Jesus has your heart, life, and all that's in it. So we can't walk through the doors of the church and give Jesus an hour and a half a week and then walk out and think that we're going to be able to stand on the promises of God. We've got to give Jesus our life. He's got to, we've got to trust it in his hands. We've got to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and go after him and hold on to him. Because until we're certain about these things, we'll never be certain in, in uncertain times until we're sure. And so we need to settle that. And for some of you today, that may be the commitment you make. Is that today, God, I'm going to believe your word. I am today, I'm going to begin to live my life based on your word. Because I promise you, if you try it, he will be faithful. It may be for you today. Today, I'm going to give my life to Christ. I've been holding back on him. I've been cheating him. I've been doing my own thing and confessing with my lips that he's God. But really and truthfully, I'm just living my own life. I'm just doing my own thing. He's got an hour maybe on Sunday because I get here at 11 after the worship's already over. And then so maybe I give him from 11 to 12 as long as the preacher doesn't go too long and make me late to RJ's. And so we just kind of get to this place where we just kind of do the motions. And today, maybe it's that we really need to give him our heart. We really need to give him our life. We really need to trust him and, and say, I'm going to do this today. Because those are the two things. Listen, until we get those two things right, we're standing on the outside of the promises. We can't, we can't, we can't live in the promises of God because we haven't done those two things. We can't be certain in uncertainty because we haven't done those things. And so those are the things we need to get right if we're going to do it. How many of you have ever been so certain about something in your life, you knew it was going to happen, and then, bam, it didn't? Have you ever been there? I remember with the first full-time um, ministry position I applied for, um, there, were, there were three of us that were brought in for, for an interview. And I went, and, and everybody before the interviews ever happened, everybody's like, man, you got this job. I'd see people from the church, man, you got this job. There's no way they'll pick anybody else. We love you. You got this. It is wrapped up. It's in the bank. I'm even starting to be confident. I'm making plans. I got this. There's no doubt about it. I'm like, we're going to do this first. Then we're going to do this. Then we're going to do this. I'm, I'm in my head. I'm planning. I'm plotting. And then I went for the interview. Everybody, yeah, man, it was great. It was good. Felt good about the interview. And then like two weeks later, week and a half later, I get a call. Um, Brandon, we are sorry, but um, we chose someone else for this position. And it was all experience. Don't worry. It's just they had more experience than you. And I was like, wow, how in the world did I miss that? I just knew there was just something that told me I, that, was, that was where I was supposed to be. And Susan was the same way. She's like, I know that's where we're supposed to be. That's where we're supposed to be. That's where we're supposed to be. And I was like, oh. And so I'm like, well, they must have missed it because I know I didn't miss it. <laughs> I was like, they must have missed it because I, I had it right. And so we're at home, and about two weeks later, I get a phone call, and it's the pastor of the church, and he's like, Brandon, I really hate to call and ask you this, but um, would you reconsider taking that job? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that'd be fine. So he's like, well, you need to pray. But I was like, no, we pray, man. We really feel like that's where we're supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to be doing. There's no doubt in our mind. That's where God's calling us. And he goes, well, just take some time and pray. I was like, we prayed. And he goes, just do me a favor. Talk to Susan. Pray it over one more time. And then take it. And I was like, okay, cool. And he's like, I'm really sorry. And he should have just stopped right there. You ever had a conversation where they should have just stopped and said, all right, great talking to you. Hang up the phone. Well, he continues. And he says, um, well, you know, it's kind of funny. He said, the first guy that we offered it to, he wanted too much money. And he's like, by the time we called the second guy, he'd already taken another job. So 
we really didn't want to start up another search committee, so we were wondering if you'd be willing to take this job and, and to be our youth pastor. And I was like, sure. So third out of three, right? Makes you feel really good. And the only reason you get the job is because they didn't want to do another search. And I was like, great. So I ended up taking the job. We just felt like that's where we were supposed to be. But there are times in life when things happen that we just, we, we thought were for sure. It was a sure thing. It was in the bag. And then all of a sudden, bam, something happens and, and, and it doesn't work out. But see, here's the thing we can be sure about today is that God's promises are for sure. The problem is a lot of times we think that, that our plan ought to mirror his plan perfectly, and his plan doesn't always line up with our plan. And we need to bring our lives into submission to his plan so that our plan begins to line up with his plan, right? Because so many times we get it out of order, we get it out of whack. And so this is what God is trying to teach us, is that if we'll come to a place where we'll trust him, where we'll submit our plan to his plan, then his promises are sure as they can be. We get in trouble when we begin to try to take it into our own hand. So this is what we're going to do real quick today. And we're going to get out of here. I want to give you a couple of two or three, four, ten, eighteen promises of God. Have you out of here by 2.30. And that you can take with you today. That you can take with you and hold on to. That if you meet those two prerequisites, that you believe the word of God, you'll trust him and you'll trust Jesus with your life. Then you can stand on these promises and you can believe that they are real. The Bible says that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. You can stand on these promises. No matter what you wrote down on your card just now, you can stand on these promises and know that God is real and that God is true. First one, Colossians 1. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Listen to this. It says, For he, and this is speaking of, of God the Father, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the first thing I want you to see because this is so important. You can be certain that the promise of God is yes in the fact that you have forgiveness, redemption, newness of life, and the promise of eternity. I want you to write these down now. You're going to need these. If you don't need them now, you'll need them one day. You have forgiveness, redemption, newness of life, and promise of eternity. The first one, forgiveness. You know, the problem I see with a lot of people is they don't have a problem really with God forgiving them. They have a problem forgiving themselves. That's the biggest problem we have. And I want to tell you, and you need to listen. If you're asleep, wake up because this may change your life. If you will get this, listen, God has forgiven you if you have asked him in Jesus Christ. There is nothing that the blood of Jesus cannot cover. Get over it. Get over it. Move on. Forget and go. Move forward. Let it go and begin to move forward with God. We've all stunk it up at some point in our life, right? Anybody never made a mistake? No. So move on. Move on. The next thing is that we have redemption. Listen, it is, that is an awesome word. If you've never done a word study on it, do a word study on redemption. Because what it talks about is when you have been redeemed, listen, it was a word used for people who would go in and free slaves. People would actually go in and, and they would purchase slaves for the, for the entire reason of letting them go free. And that would be their redeemer. So a redeemer would come buy a slave and say, you're free, go. I release you. Is it not awesome that Jesus Christ is a redeemer? 
Come on, that is so awesome. You were held captive to sin and death, and Jesus has come and bought you with the price of his own blood. Awesome. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good news that he bought you. He purchased you. So now listen to this. You have nothing holding you back from living for God. Nothing, nothing except an excuse. Nothing is holding you back. Sin no longer has a hold on you. You can live free of sin. You can live free of death. And it means that we come into newness of life. He who's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. A new creation. Newness of life. But we don't like, we, we like to hold on to things. Listen, you can change. You can change. And not only can you change, you need to change. I need to change. There's not a person in here who has reached the pinnacle of where God wants them to be. Nobody in here, I don't care if you are 8 or 85, you have not done all that God created you to do. I know this because you're still sitting here breathing. You're not done. God has something else for you to do. And so we all need to change. We all need to be taken from glory to glory with God in Christ Jesus until we're made into the perfect image of his son. And then we come to the fact that we have eternity. If you're in Christ, if you've accepted him as your savior, as your Lord, then there's no doubt about tomorrow because tomorrow, listen, we're in eternity. If we're not here, we're with God. So many of us can't live today because we're worried about tomorrow. But if you've given your heart to Christ, then what are you worried about? It's as certain as anything. It's as certain as the fact you're sitting here right now. That if, if I knock over right here, right now, I'm good. Right? Because I know Christ and my eternity is secure. So we've got this awesome, awesome God who redeems us. Who has is, who is, um, brought us back from the, the captivity of sin and of death. I've got an opportunity this afternoon. It's really, really cool. Any of you guys want to go, just let me know because this is going to be an awesome thing. We had a lady in our church who met a guy who was in hospice. And she actually led him to the Lord in hospice. And since then, he's gone over to um, Eagle Nursing Home. And um, he's, he's there. Well, we, we had a couple of guys go visit him from the church. We found out he had gotten saved. And so um, she asked if a couple of us could go and visit. So Don and Bo went over. And they, they visited with him the other day. And Bo told him that we um, do baptisms in the river. He was like, wow, that is so awesome. Well, you got baptisms coming up. You can sign up in the back on June 27th. We're meeting here at 4 o'clock to go back to the Geechee and do some baptisms. So if you want to be baptized, sign up. I would encourage you all to be here at 4 o'clock last year. It was amazing, and you need to be here. It is one of the most incredible things you'll ever see. And there's always a chance, too, we might lose somebody down the river, and it'll be a dramatic rescue. So come and check that out. But here's the cool thing about it. I get to go, and we can't take this guy to the river, but Bo got some river water. And so around 2 o'clock today, we're going over there, and we're going to baptize this guy with a Geechee River water. And this guy has been through it. He, he's, had a, he's had a tough life. But you know what? The power of Jesus is not dependent on our past circumstances. The power of Jesus is dependent upon us saying yes. Saying yes, God, yes. I want you to be my savior. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to obey you. I want to live for you. It is a sealed deal. And it breaks the yoke of sin and slavery to, and bondage to, to death over our lives. That man has the promise of eternity with Jesus because he said yes to what God offers. Here, listen to this. The, se the second one. If, you, if you've given your life to Christ, you, you're trusting in him, you can be certain that God has a plan for you and he has a part for you to play in his kingdom. 
Um, this week, I, I was so, I know y'all hear me talk about my kids, get used to it, um, because I love them to death. They're, they're just so awesome. But this week, I was so proud of Dake. I mean, he, he is so, I mean, I was just so proud of him. He's our seven-year-old. He only hit three kids this week, and we were so proud. I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know if too many he hit. Maybe he hit some last night, Reagan. I don't know. Um, but but we were, um, first of all, we were at Splash in the Borough Wednesday night, and, and I hate going to Splash because I have to take my shirt off in front of like two, 300 people, and that's really embarrassing. But we were there, and I'm going to the water slides with um, Dake, and and there was this little boy, and have you ever seen these little boys? It's like, I mean, they are just like hopped up, man. He's like, oh, and he's kind of bouncing like this. And we see him standing by the slides. And Dake and I are going to get on the, the slide that you can ride together on the little two-man raft. And he's bouncing, and he's excited, and he can't hardly hold still. And he's jumping all over the place. And, and he's going, well, why don't y'all ride with me? Why don't y'all ride with me? And I'm thinking, well, he's probably got some friends with him. I'm like, well, buddy, we're going to go ride. We'll, we'll be down in a minute, da 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 And so we go up to the top of the slide. Dake and I ride down. We get out the kid's still standing there, you know, he's still bouncing around, and um, he looks at dead at Dake, and he goes, you want to ride with me, and Dake goes, sure, I'll ride with you, and I'm not sure if, if, if the kid was, you know, if there was something a little off, I don't know, but, but Dake, he goes, sure, I'll go with you, so Dake goes up, and I'm like, wow, he must know that kid, and so he goes up, and he, he comes back down the slide with him on the little two-man raft thing, and then they get out, and they, Dake's like, dad, we're going to go up and go down again, so they go up, they go down the little blue slide, and then they come back down, the kid goes one way, Dake comes another, and He's like, um, I was like, Dake, who was that little boy? He said, I don't know. I said, really? He said, yeah. I was like, I don't know. I said, buddy, I'm proud of you. That was such a nice thing you did, you know? Because I mean, I'm thinking, you know, I probably wouldn't have done that. I've been too nervous, too shy, Dake. He's just like, yeah, let's go. And so we, he goes and he does that. And then on Friday, I'm sitting in my office. It's about four o'clock. I'm trying to get the message ready, trying to finish up some things for Sunday. I'm, I'm praying through some stuff. Phone rings. It's Dake on the other end. He says, hey, dad, um, I was wondering if I could go to that place with all those kids that Mr. John goes to. And he's talking about John Irvin and, and the Little Lots ministry that we do. And, and I was like, well, sure you can, buddy. And he's like, okay, mama wants to talk to you. Well, then Susan says, I got, he wants to go. You, somebody, one of us needs to be there to help watch. You know, you, can you go? I'm like, what? I was like, I, I'm doing important stuff. I'm busy. And she was like, no, well, I got to go run errands. And then, and then see, and this is how smart she is. She starts throwing up errands of things that I had asked her to do. And so she knows, she's like, he can't say no to this. And so she starts saying things that, that I'd asked her to do. And so I'm like, ah. And I'm like, well, and she's like, well, he can do it another day. And then it was like, God just spoke to me and like, idiot, what are you doing? Your kids want to go out to a ministry you're doing for, for, some, for some kids that he doesn't even know. And you'd rather sit in your office and prepare a message. And so the first thing out of my mouth was like, I got it, Susan. I'll be there in a minute. Hung up the phone, packed everything up and went. And I want to tell you, God so spoke to my heart and said, listen, Brandon, it is always better to live a message than it is to prepare one. It is always better. And see, listen, if we will begin to realize that God's plan is the best plan, that God's plan is, is real and he has that for us, then, man, I'm telling you, it will revolutionize our life. When we begin to, to realize that what God has in store is so much better than what we can map out for ourselves. So number two is that, it, it is that we can be certain that God has a plan for us. He hasn't given up on us. The problem is as soon as our plan, God's plan begins to differ from our plan. A lot of times we abort it and we don't need to do that. We need to stay with God. Number three, we're going to get through these real quick. Isaiah 49, 15. Isaiah 49, 
15 says this, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Verse 16 says, See, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are forever before me. Listen, this one, number three, God has made provision for you in everything you have faced, are facing, and will face. Listen to me. God cannot abandon you. You need to listen. Write these down. God cannot abandon you. He can't. Listen, we hear stories sometimes about a mother who may have left a, a, chi- a child by a, you hear them by a dumpster or on somebody's doorstep. God's saying, listen, I can't do that. It, it's unthinkable for a mother to do that. And God's saying, I can't do that. I can't forget you. I'm going to take care of you. And right now, some of you have need of provision in your life. And what God is saying is, listen, I've got the job covered. I've got you taken care of. It's going to be okay. You're going to be all right. Listen, I've got your children covered. They may have gone their own way, but I've got them covered. I've got them taken care of. I've got that situation under control. I've given provision for that. I've even given provision for you to have strength so that you can make it through the time that your child went away. I've given provision for you to make it through loss. I've given provision for you to make it through financial trouble, even the worst economic times. I've given provision. We need to realize that this is God's promise. He's not forgetting us. He's not abandoning us. And and he knows, listen, he knows we're not that smart. I saw evidence of this last night. We went to a dinner for hospice. And as people were out there doing the electric slide, I thought, the thought occurred to me, that if aliens were observing, <laughs> they would not think we were the most intelligent people on earth. I actually looked at somebody beside me and I said, you know, it is amazing to think that we are the most intelligent species on the face of the earth when you witness that. <laughs> God knows we're not that smart, but he's made provision for us. He will take care of us. Listen, if he, if he closed the, the fields and the flowers, and he feeds the birds. Will he not take care of us? Yes, he will take care of us. He has made provision. He made provision for you long before you were. So begin to trust him and know that. The fourth one is this. You can finish well. Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. This is the closing scripture. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Listen to this. You can finish well. You can finish the race that God has started with you. You can finish the race. Get it through your head. You can finish the race. What is the hardest part? Anybody ever run a mile, walk a mile around a track? How many laps does it take to get a, get a mile around a track? You know? Four, right? The hardest, the hardest lap to me is number two. It's number two because you've run one, you're getting tired, and you realize, oh my gosh, I've got three more to go. But if you can never get past the halfway point, at least you're on the downhill slide. Listen, sometimes life feels that way, and when you become uncertain about it, you keep moving. You keep going. You can finish well. Paul finished the race and so can you. Depend on Christ and you can finish well and finish better than you start. You can finish better than you started. Um, I was talking with a guy the other day and and he was dealing with some struggles. He's like, I I just don't know. I I can't see my life. Um, I can't see myself living life pure for the rest of my life. I can't see that. I can't see it. There's just no way I can't that I think I can deal with the things I'm dealing with for the rest of my life and, and not mess it up. 
And we taught a little bit. And what we came to the conclusion of is, no, you, you can't live 10 years from now today. But you can live today. You can have victory today. And you know what's cool is he woke up. He started waking up every morning. And just when as soon as his eyes opened, he said, listen, I can, I can live today in victory. And it's changed his life. The other day he was telling me, he's like, it's the most awesome thing I've ever seen because I've realized I can live in victory. I can have victory today, and that's the only day that matters. And so in life, we need to realize we're going to finish well not by living 10 years ahead. We're going to finish well by living today. And trust me, you need to live today. Two people I know this week lost battles to cancer. One of them I just met on, uh, on Thursday. He passed away on Saturday. Another, my uncle, passed away. He lost a battle of cancer. He'd been fighting it for some time. Listen, live today. Live today. You walk out the doors. You look at the, everything around you, and you live today. You enjoy your friends today. You enjoy your kids today. You enjoy your wife today, your husband. Enjoy today. A lot of the little petty things we worry about don't matter a hill of beans. We get so bogged down in the things right in front of us, we lose the sight of the big picture. You can finish well. You can finish by living today. The last one out of the same scripture, the journey's worth it. You need to realize this, that, that you can be certain that the journey will be worth it. Paul says that now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. We can be sure that the journey is going to be worth it. I promise you this, you will not get around the throne of God and go, oh, wow, why did I live my life for this? <laughs> That's not happening. You will be so blown away. And the closer you get to God, the more you get a little glimpse of that glory. And if you can get a little glimpse of the glory now, imagine what it's going to be like when you are fully in that presence of God. And you are looking, I believe that, that it is going to absolutely blow our minds. I know it will. Imagine that. It's going to be worth it. Have you ever been disappointed? I remember we went to Disney World when I was a child. I was about 10, man. And I was pumped. I'm like, yeah, Disney. It's like, Mickey. And so we get down there. And, and everybody had told us this. You've got to go to this one ride. If you don't go to this, any other ride, you've got to go to this one ride. And I was like, okay. And they're like, you've got to go ride Peter Pan. I was like, sweet. I was like, that and, and they're like, it is amazing. And I was like, okay. And so I'm thinking, this must be the most exhilarating ride I've ever been on. We get there, and it's a three-hour wait. I was like, I thought so. This is the best ride that's ever been made, so there's a three-hour wait. And so we get in line. We wait forever. You know, you walk a little ways, and then you stand, and then, you walk a little, and then you're sitting on the rails, and they got the signs. It's like, don't sit on the rails. And you're like, whatever. My feet hurt. I'm sitting on the rails. And so we go through the whole thing, and I'm like, man, this is going to be worth it. This is going to be worth it. We get in there. How many of you have ever ridden the Peter Pan ride? Was it the most lame ride you've ever been on? <laughs> It was the most lame ride I have ever been. You're like, da, 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 da. I mean, I'm thinking like hair-raising roller coaster. It's like, da, 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 da. and you know, and, and, and it was the, it was just, it was not worth it. You ever heard somebody, they eat a dessert and you're like, how was it? They're like, it wasn't worth the calories. You know, it's just kind of disappointing. And you're like, well, I don't want that one. And so, but here's the deal. We're not going to be disappointed. Living your life for God, you're not going to be disappointed. It is as sure as we're sitting here today. The promises of God are very, very real. So here's my question. Why don't we live for him today? You can't live for him tomorrow. You can live for him today. You can trust him with your life today. You can't trust him with your life, you know, 10 years from now. You can trust him today.
You can stand on his word today. You can trust his word today. I want to run through those again. If you didn't write them down, write them down. Number one, you have forgiveness, redemption, newness of life, and promise of eternity. Number two, you can be certain that God has a plan for you and you have a part in his kingdom. Number three, God has made provision for you in everything you have faced, are facing, and will face. Number four, you can finish well. And number five, the journey is worth it. No question about it. Now, this is what we're going to do. We're going to kind of wrap it up like we started. I want to give you just a moment, 30 seconds. And what I want you to do is I want you to look at those five promises, and I want you to take that card that you wrote that uncertainty down, and I guarantee you that one of those promises covers that uncertainty. I guarantee you that it's covered by the promises of God. And so I want you to write it down. And and we're going to take just 30 seconds. Bear with me. I told you we banked 10 minutes last week. We got five left. So hang with me. To take 10 minutes, I want you to look at those five promises. And I want you to write one down that covers your circumstance. Listen, if by some remote 99.9% odd chance it's not, you come see me because there is one that covers it. But I truly believe that whatever you wrote down at the beginning of this service is covered by forgiveness, redemption, newness of life, and promise of eternity, that God has a plan for you, that God's made provision for you, that you can finish well, or that the journey is worth it. Last week, um, I told you about the great exchange. The greatest exchange ever made is that, that we give Jesus our junk and he gives us newness of life. And so today I'm going to invite you to make an exchange. Those, those cards you got, they're perforated, as you've probably already noticed. I want you to, to do this. If you're willing today to trust Jesus with your life, with the uncertainties in your life, and the things that, that are holding you back, this is what I want you to do. I want you to tear that card in half. I want you to tear it in half. And, and in just a moment, we're going to bring it to the altar. And this is the thing, though. If you aren't willing to make that, then you can walk out of here with that thing still intact, realizing that you're going to be the one that's torn. You're going to be the one that's torn between uncertainty and trusting God. But today, you have the choice to live for God and to trust Him and to leave this thing at the altar. To leave it, and listen to this, take the promise with you. And when that uncertainty begins to try to stick its head back up at you, you look at the promise. Stick it in your Bible, stick it on your, in your car, somewhere where you can see it, and you hold on to that promise. And whenever you begin to think that something's uncertain, you look at the promise of God. Okay? Let's pray.